Welcome to Dig Deep, the mining podcast. In this podcast, we go deep into mining news, hot topics, and live interviews with mining professionals and leading figures in the mining industry. Introducing your host, Rob Tyson, founder and director of Mining International and Mining International Executive, a leading global mining recruitment and headhunting agency. Hi, mining community. Welcome back to another episode of the Dig Deep, the mining podcast. And today's guest is Rowan Fenler, who's a director of natural resources for Crips Leadership Advisors, who deliver executive search and leadership advice to dynamic CEOs and boardrooms worldwide. Uh, Rowan has a wealth of experience in supporting boards, senior executive and management teams across mining, oil and gas and renewable energy sectors across the globe. And we're going to talk talk today um, and discuss a report that uh, Rome recently uh, released around securing mining futures uh, workforce, securing mining future workforce, um, and some other topics around skills in our industry and talent pools and mining as a brand. Um, Rome is going to be attending Europe's largest mining event, which is resourcing tomorrow, formerly known as uh, Mines and Money London, uh, which is taking place in London on the 28th to the 30th of November, uh, which is a great platform for the entire value chain, fostering learning, lively debates, and providing valuable networking opportunities. So register now um, by going to the show notes to come this podcast uh, to receive a discount on early bird uh, tickets using the code DIGDEEP10. So that's welcome, Roman, to the podcast. How are you doing, Roman? Doing very well. Thank you for having me, Rob. No, I appreciate your time as well. I know you're an avid listener to the to the podcast. Um, so for those that don't know you, one of you can just tell us a little bit about your uh, about your career and about your background uh, before we uh, talk about the, the recent paper you released. Perfect. Um, yeah, so I'm, uh, I grew up in Canada uh, in a small town on a dirt road just outside of Montreal. Um, fell into the world of mining uh, through my experience working for Tetra Tech, the engineering company. Um, where I looked after all strategic HR hiring related decisions for Canada, the North America, and they purchased a company called Coffee International Development in the UK and asked me to move over here to oversee all EMEA. Um, following Tetra Tech, I worked at Stratham International as a managing director, um, a executive search company focused in the mining space. And uh, found myself here at Crips Leadership Advisors as a director and head of the natural resource practice. Okay, so I wonder if you can just tell us a little bit about uh, Crips Leadership Advisors. Yeah, of course. So Crips Leadership Advisors, we celebrated 50 years on Tuesday, actually. We had a really good client event. Um, the company was founded off the back of oil and gas in terms of a executive search focus. Over the years, they brought it out to shipping transportation, natural resources, oil and gas, uh, oil and gas, obviously, and new energies. So a lot of focus on hydrogen new and uh, ammonia, carbon capture, et cetera. Um, we're London headquartered. We have offices in Houston and Paris as well. Um, and what's really interesting, we're a boutique company. We're independently owned, director owned, one P&L. So any individual that you're working with, i.e. myself within the mining space, is who you're going to be working with for the duration of that uh, that mandate or um, you know just general relationship. So it's really about creating those intimate relationships with our clients and being a true ad advisor rather than transactional. Um, outside of the executive search space, we uh, work quite heavily within the advisory side of, of uh, the business. 
that's everything from leadership assessments, hiring assessments, organizational design work, uh, board assessments, and everything from taking a team out to the de desert in Dubai for team building to you know going through a typical leadership development program in a in a hotel. So it's a it's quite a a nice offering, and that's all through our in-house advisory team and industry consultants that work with us who uh, work with us on a daily basis. Well, first of all, congratulations on the 50th anniversary. Yes, thank um, you very much. You're going to be chairing a panel at Resourcing tomorrow, at the event obviously I mentioned earlier uh, in, in the introduction. Um, can you just tell us a little bit about the, the topic um, that you're going to be speaking about and also who is on the panel? Yeah, it's a really exciting panel. It's in conjunction with the Next Generation Leaders Forum. At resourcing tomorrow and that will be November uh, 30th which is a Thursday uh, starting at one o'clock and the topic of discussion which is directly related to the thought piece as I'll discuss in a, in a minute is about securing the workforce of tomorrow to ensure that we have leaders for the next generation of of, of the mining um, industry's growth. Um, we've been able to secure some really really exciting guests starting with Mark Kitfani um, obviously, the, the executive chair at Vale currently, Sonia Scarcelli, VP Exploration and VP of Explorer at BHP, Ross Bapu um, from RCF, Ro Dewan, President CEO of ICMM, and Lisa Ali, the Chief People Officer at Anglo Gold Ashanti. That's great. Uh, I've been certainly uh, looking forward to uh, hearing that discussion, and obviously, I hope the our audience will be uh, attending also. Um, Again, I just want to go back to the uh, the recent report that you wrote um, around, obviously, this, this particular topic. And I just want to you just walk us through the paper um, and some of the key takeaways that you want our listeners to uh, to sort of really, I suppose, listen to and maybe maybe try and implement some of the some of the learnings that you found from the report. Yeah, I, I think the 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 idea of the paper really stemmed from um quite a few recent reports coming from McKinsey. Um, you know, they, they ran a survey recently um, of, you know, a target audience of 15-year-old to 30-year-olds and asking if they would consider working in the mining industry. And 70% of that those uh, respondents um, said they wouldn't. And that's directly, we're seeing that directly in the market right now, obviously, with the the uh, low intake of, in, uh, of students within um, engineering, mining engineering, and geology. So off the back of that, it really kind of got us thinking, what can we do as an industry? What can we do as a company to educate the population? And I think the big topic that I'll get into in a minute is the rebranding or changing the perception and the narrative of the mining industry. And that's something that I can't change myself. You know, the, the biggest players in the world cannot change themselves. It's really about coming together as an industry to combat that and educate the, the general public um, on what mining is and how we use it on a day-to-day -day basis. I think from that too, you know, it's not just the lack of interest of going into the mining industry, but the current state of play right now, where you're seeing companies who are not hitting product, production targets, aren't being able to hit their strategic goals, just due to a pure lack of, of talent within the market. And you're seeing that, McKinsey came out with another sur survey on that, and there was a 70% um, agreement that, you know, because there's a lack of resource within within the market, they're not hitting production. And you're seeing that from companies like Freeport in the US at the moment, amongst many others. So 
and it's not just a you know America's problem or an Australian probably a problem. It, it's really across the board. Um, another good quick stat is in Australia right now, just to uphold current projects. We're not talking about new you know greenfield projects. There needs to be an influx of a new of, of another. I think it's twenty four or twenty seven thousand employees into the industry before twenty twenty nine, and we're not even going to achieve sixteen thousand graduates, which right away leaves a thirty percent deficit. So unless the industry targets and focuses on changing that, changing the narrative, and changing the general interest of the public, it's going to be a, a, a struggle. And you know we may not see it today, but it's very much looking at tomorrow and the future. It's an interesting uh, point that you made, first of all, that the, the report um, asked 50, uh, ages between 15 and 30, I think you said, um, that most wasn't most of them were not interested in working in the mining industry. Did they give any indication as to the reasons why? I, I think it stems back to the, the, the narrative and perception of the industry, because if you think mining, you're thinking digging a hole in the ground, you're thinking about a negative effect to the you know, biodiversity, et cetera, but it's not true. And, and, you know, the only way to achieve net zero, the only way to achieve the, and to, you know, to go through the energy transition is through mining. You know that, I know that, but the random person off the street who knows nothing about mining doesn't know that. And they think mining is a negative rather than a positive. So shifting that mentality of saying yes, in order to get solar and wind, you know, we need those critical minerals. You need the copper, the nickel, the cobalt, et cetera. So how can the mining industry come together to, you know, either a partner with government, part, you know, form a an association that can focus purely on education of public? And that could be through, you know, commercials, it could be through uh, you know, using influencers, et cetera, and, and just educating them, but also discussing how the mining industry affects the supply chain of you know the phones that you and I use you know it's a very common one but how do you achieve and how do you build that obviously through commodities but then also you know do they drive a tesla do they use a macbook and just associating mining to the supply chain and the actual end result of what the consumers are actually holding and the importance of 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 mining so it's just the education component and it's something that is a glo- you know global industry problem that needs to be tackled head on. Yeah. And the educational part, I think, is very crucial. And the reason why I say that is I remember attending, attending a conference about three or four years ago in Australia. And there was a young mine engineer who came from a, from a mining town in Australia. Now, he grew up with mining around him, yet he didn't know anything about the mining industry until he started studying it. So even though people outside of mining jurisdictions, i.e. people in the UK who know nothing about mining, there's there's, there's probably people within mining towns that actually don't understand the fun, fundamentals of mining as well, which comes down to obviously educa- ed- education. You're so, exactly, uh, exactly right. And I think, you know, as an industry, we have to form better relationships, better programs and target the grassroots level. And it's not just about coming into classrooms at on on days that are you know dedicated to STEM, but really ingraining in the day to day curriculum. That's something that's something that's not going to happen overnight. But it's also talking you know speaking the language of the younger generation. Under you know not just preaching, 
but talking to them in the way, once again, educating them on the supply chain, talking about automation, blockchain, you know, that the high tech that's used in the industry that people might not know. Talk about the job opportunities that are outside the typical engineering or geology roles. And that could be a focus on everything from, you know, government relations, once again, automation, high tech. Um, there's a whole realm of opportunities that people might not know unless you're already in the industry. And it's really interesting because in the paper, you see um, Joanne Doyle from Deloitte gave a really good, good example of how the mining industry is starting to work with the gaming industry to try and educate younger generations through gaming. And it's a game called uh, by a company called Science North um, called Mining Evolution. And essentially, it's just a video game that teaches them, the, the, the children, about mining. So the more that you can implement that forward thinking into curriculum, the quicker that people are going to be educated on it. Now, that's a small step on a long road, um, but it's a start. I think Minecraft might have helped a little bit as well. Yes, yes. <laughs> <laughs> definitely. Um, what can the, the mining industry do to change the public image? And again, I asked this question to quite a few guests that come onto this uh, come onto this podcast, and I know it's a big, deep topic in itself. But um, again, from 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 the paper, I just wondered if there was any um, any information that you've got in how the mining industry can change the public image. Well, once again, I think it goes back to the, the the narrative and how you're delivering that message. And it's, you know, for example, the mining industry underpins nearly, I think it's 50% of the global economic activity. So if there's any industry in the world that can actually change or, you know, produce change, it's the mining industry. So, you know, how cool is it to be in the mining industry and be able to be part of something that is huge? But once again, it's a perception and driving that message and that consistent messaging that needs to change. But it also, you know, the, the, the imagery, for example, you, you probably see it within, you know, both our industries, it, it, the industry we work in is you're seeing less and less companies with the name mining in their title. You're seeing something, you know, the name of the company resources because mining, you're just changing the perception, the you know, top of mind awareness of you think mining, I think negative. But if you say resources, it's a positive. So little shifts like that, I think, can go a long way. Using different imagery in, you know, on the website, on advertisements, etc., and showing, you know, the wind farms, showing the solar farm, showing the cell phones, showing the Tesla, you know, or any electric vehicle, the little things like that. But I think it also is about breaking down the barriers of entry for talent to come into the market. You know, mine sites aren't outside of London. Um, they're, <laughs> they're in remote areas and it's not really conducive to someone with a young family who, you know, values work-life balance. Um, so in order to change and attract more people in the industry, it's looking at more hybrid, flexible working, um, you know, ways of, 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 of doing business, job sharing. Um, and I think there are a lot of companies that are doing a good job of that. One particular BHP. Um, but once again, it's it's not ingrained and it's not the the typical standard. So yeah, we have to figure out solutions to combat that, which will then pull and attract people from the likes of you know health sciences, uh, you know, the tech industry, people coming from manufacturing that typically work close to their home. So just trying to find ways to sell the industry, sell the appeal of it, sell the 
the ability to make change long term and, and, and bring in the talent within the industry. Yeah. Another thing I just thought about is I think the younger generations seem to want to travel a little bit more. And if they want to travel a little bit more, what a great industry to be in than mining where you can travel around the world and what and, and use work in your profession in anywhere in South America to Asia to Africa. Um, so again, that could be a little bit of a hook in terms yeah. of if you want to travel and earn money, what a great industry for you to 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 move into. A hundred percent. I mean, what a, what a great opportunity to to travel around the world for a job that will you know that pays very well, and the the industry pays well because of the remoteness, because of the extensive travel. But if you're passionate about traveling, passionate about changing the world, um, what a great industry. You know, there's no other industry that can change the world like the mining industry can. Um, how can we shift the focus from roles to skills and, and I suppose create a, less of a barrier to entry for a, a, a more diverse workforce? Yeah, it, it's a great question. Um, so I think mining has historically always required someone to come in the, into the company with mining experience. Mining can be taught. Yes, there are certain disciplines that you have to have extensive experience in. Um, and we'll look at not necessarily at the, the executive level, but more of, you know, maintenance operators. There's no reason why operators and maintenance techs can't come from the automotive industry, the manufacturing industry, oil and gas, energy, et cetera, et cetera. It's about upskilling these individuals, micro-credentialing them um, so that they learn mining. And, and it's not about, you know, sending, if I want to go into the mining industry and I'm, you know, 10 years into my career, the likelihood that I'm going back to do a four-year degree is probably slim. So how can you come up with short-term degrees that, you know, will benefit that? And um, I, I think that's one way of doing it. Now, tapping into a more diverse market, um, you know, a good example is what BHP is doing with Mike Henry recently he came out with a, um, with a, 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 an update on their gender balance and what they've done to achieve that. And since they've set out, I think it was in 2016, to achieve gender balance by 2025, their production has increased, their overall focus has improved, their attraction within the market has increased. So there's so many benefits. And BHP, being the giant it is, is making significant progress. I think that they are the poster child of what other companies should be looking at. Now, no company is perfect, but and they're very public about it, but it's good. But that's also how can you target underrepresented um, under, underrepresented uh, people within the within the the industry? You know, you you could how can you attract people with physical and mental challenges? How can you attract people with from the LGBTQIA plus um, group, uh, the indigenous, diverse, racial, religious? It's about trying to be open and open industry, which will then improve production, improve an open and untapped market that people might have seen as a barrier to entry um, and just being inclusive because that's what people look for. And people are looking for the right fit in their career and they don't want to enter an industry that uh, doesn't fit with their their values or, or is not inclusive. So I think the industry is inclusive, but I think has a long way to go. And you talk obviously about skills, and obviously I'm I'm a recruiter. There's obviously certain certain roles which 
I suppose do require some some sort of a degree, i.e. if you look at mining, mine engineering or geology. And I suppose you can, for instance, mine engineering, you can look at, I suppose, people outside of the mining industry to come in and do those roles. And what you could look at is maybe civil engineering that has a similar kind of concept, but obviously it's different. And they would just need to upskill certain skills mm-hmm. uh, to then move over to the, the mining industry. Also, I remember speaking to someone probably a, a year or two ago who said they were actually getting people from the um, um, the aerospace industry. Again, yeah. so they're forward-thinking engineers, which I suppose from an engineering perspective, again, will have certain skill sets that can then come in and bring them into the mining industry. So again, I suppose you're just thinking outside of the box um, to try and attract other people from other industries into our sector mm-hmm. that have certain relevant skills, i.e. for around engineering. Um, but looking just looking at that, and I don't think we do that enough um, as, a, as an industry. No, I agree. And, and, and you're right. There are some roles that you need the experience, but the, the industry needs to be more expressive about the opportunities of the non-core technical roles that are available you know, to accountants, government relations, et cetera, et cetera. Um, because that's what's going to you know, improve the sector. It's what's going to allow the mining industry to compete against the likes of the Amazons and the Microsofts for talent. Um, and it's the, the, it's the only way that the industry is going to move forward to, you know, to combat that deficit of individuals who are coming up. Um, so I, I think it's quite key. And it, it's, yeah, I, I think there also has to be quite a shift in terms of the partnership with governments, because the governments are setting the, you know, these green net zero targets, but it has to be in partnership with the major mining companies, with the companies that are actually, you know, producing the commodities that are going to allow for the energy transition. So it can't just be politicians making the decisions and putting together a plan without directly involving the major leaders within the mining industry who can help plan and and, and provide a, a, a way forward that is truthful and not you know, t- truthful to the public, something that the public will believe in and and that could also be directly in line with how do you shift the narrative and perception of the industry? How do you partner with government to, to create these education programs? And that could trickle down into the schooling system. It could trickle down into, you know, all throughout the government uh, kind of body. So I think it's it's things like that. It's about, you know, linkages to brands. Um, it's about showcasing the supply chain um, and government collaboration. But uh, it, there's a long way to go. Um, but I think that we're on a path that we realize as an industry requires change. And it's about how do we come together to achieve that change? What talent pools should companies and leaders look at exploring, for instance? I, I think one that's quite obvious and, and you know we're probably both seeing it is that crossover between oil and gas into mining. The oil and gas industry is, is miles ahead in terms of health and safety, project management, exploration. And you're seeing that shift currently, um, but it's not ingrained in the behaviors of the leaders at the moment of a lot of companies who, you know, want someone with a mining background. So I think that's a whole other challenge. And it's something that our next thought piece is going to discuss um, is how do you, how do you change the behaviors of the leaders so that we can 
provide and, and grow a leadership team so that they're inclusive and focus on not just hiring the same people over and over again, but looking at different industries, bringing the best practices from industries. And I, I work with a few clients currently who have done that. And they have huge success because it's different and sometimes different and sometimes change is good. What should leaders be focusing on to help rebrand uh, mining's public image? Well, I, I think once again, it's, you know, it's about leaders coming together. It's about associations coming together. Um, and it could be various different associations, but having one governing body with the main goal of educating the public, changing their narrative, changing the perception. So I, I think it has to be a group kind of shift. But at the same time, I think every leader of a company can initiate and kind of initiate change internally. And I think that's just having leaders being open to hiring different skill sets than they might typically do, normally do. So it's just about the openness and 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 coming together. And do you see that slowly happening within our industry? You do. Yeah, I, th- I think you do. Um, I-, I think it depends on the size of the company. Um, the maturity of the company it depends on the, the board structure, who's on the board, what kind, you know, is it a board put together of pure mining individuals or is it a board, you know, encompassing various different industrials, individuals, people come coming from education and having a more well-rounded governing body. So I think those are the companies that you are seeing the change. How and I think that's... Sorry, I, yeah, no, I, I just think that's that's the way the industry has to go in terms of having a more well-rounded board. And you, you see that in typical, you know, publicly listed companies who are mature. How do leaders change uh, pre-existing behaviours um, and attitudes towards recruiting new talent uh, based on the industry and role uh, experience to skills based? Um, and I suppose how, how do leaders demonstrate this change in behaviour and attitude to everyone else? Uh, in in a company, yeah, I I think it's 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 quite tough because changing someone's behavior is doesn't happen overnight. Um, I think that companies should be open to partnering with specific advisory firms who who are specialists, they're business psychologists, industrial psychologists who work on a day to day basis with companies to provide change, understand how companies at the at, you know leadership level can communicate better, um, that can drive that messaging down throughout the company. Um, and it's just about the communication, the style of delivery, the thinking outside the box. But that's all well and, and good saying that, but it's about doing it. So I think that's why bringing in an external consultant, whether it's you know one of the big four, if, you know we offer those services, but bringing in an outside perspective that can really put together a change and, and initiate that change internally without just relying on you know it being a comment at a monthly discussion that maybe will happen in the future it's it's about inflicting the change and and working with an outside source and lastly as a conclusion i just wonder if there was anything else that you would like to add and share with our audience um and obviously um anything else we haven't spoken about uh, around securing and securing the mining's future workforce report that you produced I, I think uh, first and foremost, it'd be just, um, you know, please attend the Resourcing Tomorrow conference. I think it's going to be the the, the best and biggest one that they've ever had. Um, it'd be great if people attended the Next, Genera- Next Generation Leaders Forum. Uh, we've got a great panel, great discussion, 
a lot of interest generated through it. Um, and the other thing is I didn't mention is we as a company do quite a bit of work with BHP Explore, which is the global accelerator for your junior exploration companies. The um, the uh, the intake for year two is open and it closes October 11th. And I really recommend any junior exploration company program. We've been lucky enough to be involved in putting together the interview questions for all new applicants. We've been sitting on the interview panel and we've been interviewing and working on leadership and development with the um, selected cohort CEOs. So it's a great, great program, uh, great for BHP. It's great for the industry and it's just great to be part of it. Yeah. Ryan, really appreciate your time. Um, thank you very much for obviously uh, sharing uh, your insights uh, to the report, uh, Secure Mining's Future Workforce. Um, how can our audience download that report? Yeah, the, the best way to download that report is going to our company website. That is crips.global, so C-R-I-P-P-S dot global. And uh, you can, uh, it'll be front and center on our thought leadership um, section. It's also on our LinkedIn page and it will soon to be on the resourcing tomorrow page as well. Yeah, we'll include those in the, the show notes accompanying this as well. Plus also uh, access to get tickets to the Resourcing Tomorrow event, which is on the 28th to the 30th of November. Uh, so literally uh, two months time. So please book your tickets. Uh, there's also a discount code, uh, which if you put that in, you will get a discount on early bird tickets. So encourage you to, to go now and book your tickets. Ryan, as I mentioned, really appreciate your time. Um, hopefully some of our audience will be buying tickets and they'll be able to see your talk, which was on Thursday the 30th, did you say? That's correct. Thursday the 30th at one o'clock with a great panel with Mark Tfani, Sonia Scarcelli, Ross Bapu, Rodoan and Lisa Ali. Great. I'll be looking forward to uh, listening to, uh, to that discussion as well. So thank you, audience. Thank you for listening. Uh, really appreciate your continued support. Please keep sharing this episode. Now, I think this episode really should be shared to everyone that you know. And I suppose people even outside of the mining industry, just to, I suppose, just to showcase our industry, some of the challenges that we are facing, but also understand what mining is about. Because obviously people in, in, in our mining industry know, know what mining is, but it's people that are outside of our industry that don't know what mining is about. It's obviously fundamental for our economy and for our mankind to grow. So really appreciate your continued support. Please keep sharing these episodes. And until next time, happy mining. Thank you for listening. Remember to reach out to Rob via the show notes and be sure to subscribe and leave a review. Until next time, happy mining, helping each other to improve the mining industry.